Okay, so this morning, I'd like you to picture the scene. Just take yourself to a lovely, warm, balmy evening. I know that might be a bit of a stretch in Wales, but let's just imagine for a moment. A warm, balmy evening. Just imagine the sun is setting, and you're walking along a dusty road in Bethany, and through the open window, you can smell roasting lamb, spices. As you look through into the fire, you can see flatbread being cooked. And then you begin to hear laughter through open doors, and you see Jesus there with his friends. And Jesus is there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. As you look closely, you can see Peter and John and James. There's Mary Magdalene. And there are friends around a fire talking, eating, laughing, being together. And in in the Gospels, we see a picture of Jesus' life, the three years that he spent. And in those Gospels, we see both the private moments, those times when Jesus is talking with his followers, explaining his teaching to his disciples when they're alone together. Or we see him sitting in friends' homes, talking, eating, sharing. We see him walking along the beach with Peter, with John behind. We also see in the Gospels times of private prayer. He goes up the mountain alone or to quiet places. We see him alone at the well with the woman of Samaria taking time with her and her life. And then we see Jesus' public life as well. Noisy, crowds, people, busy, people straining to hear, people running around the lake to catch up with him. The streets, the crowds, people, and Jesus bending down to one man at the pool of Siloam. Jesus stopping on the outskirts of a little village where he sees a widow's only son who has died and bringing him back to life. We also see that religious tension, the healing of a lame man in front of the religious leaders who are ready to plot against him. We see him creating a public scene in the temple, overturning the tables of the moneylenders, fighting for justice, creating a stir into Jerusalem by coming in on a donkey like a king, flying in the face of the religious leaders who went away to plot his death. So we see Jesus in the Bible, both public and private, but one thing we see is him deeply embedded in community. There is Jesus in community with the people, in private or in public. Jesus, when he came, he didn't come as like a far-off guru. People would have to queue and climb a mountain path to reach him. And he didn't come like a king in a palace that's exclusive and you need a VIP path to access. But Jesus came among us as one of us, embedded in community. Now we see how Jesus created close community around him. He called the 12 disciples, of which three were his closest companions, Peter, James, and John. And as we've previously studied together, we've seen there was a wider group of his close core disciples, both men and women, who are part of his core team, all traveling together and ministering. And we see how Jesus created community to be a part of. And then the larger group from which he picked the 72, which he sent out. And then we know that when Jesus died and rose again, do you remember when that dedicated core group were up in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit? There was about 120. This was like the start of the first church as they were gathered. And we find this group in the upper room, both men and women, and Jesus' mother there as well. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and they go out to the crowds. And this is called the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and the first church was established. And that day, many people listened to Peter's words. 
words, as he explained about Jesus' task, how Jesus came, what he did, his purpose, how between them all, they put him on a cross and how he came alive again. And the people were like, what should we do? And Peter turns to them. And as he preaches to them and explains, he says around 3,000 people were added to the church that day. So we see how Jesus created community and how community carried on after he had ascended to heaven. In Acts 2, it says this, Peter replied to the crowd, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're still doing now, isn't it? We've repented of our old life. We have turned around to Jesus, and we are forgiven, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, we are being discipled in his way. And it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You imagine if we preached, and suddenly 3,000 people tried to cram in here in the car park. It's astonishing. So I want us to see how Jesus created community around him, the little group, the wider group, the bigger group, the crowds, and how when he went to heaven, he created the church, and the apostles carried on with the church, and this discipling community that Jesus made now carried on with people following him in loving community and helping disciple one another to grow more like Jesus. So being part of community was one of the hallmarks of Jesus' life, and for us following Jesus, Being part of the community he created, the church, should also be a hallmark of our life. And that's why we belong to community, a discipling community growing more like Jesus, loving and caring for one another. Now, I want to bring a vision at the start of 2023 for us to be able to say it, know it, live it together, that springs out of the values that we already have. It's already part of our vision, but let's bring something that's a focus for the year. And so this season, we are looking to steer the church into specific areas that we're already living in, but to steer the church that we have a focus of what we're aiming for in this year. And we're going to focus on three things, community, mission, and miracles. Do you think you can say that with me? Community, mission, and miracles. Now, if it was a kid's spot, we said to the kids, now you don't look at the screen. Can you repeat it with me again? Community, mission, and miracles. Hopefully, something really easy to uh, follow and understand. Now, our starting place is what we've always lived out all these years, is focusing ourselves to be a Jesus-shaped church. So when we look at Jesus' life, if I had a you know, a big flip chart here, and you shout it out. What are the things that you see in Jesus' life? We shape our lives and the life of the church after Jesus' example so that we create a biblically focused church, one we find mirrored in the life of Jesus. Now, when we, Julian and I, pioneered Cornerstone with a a little team who are still with us mostly here in this room back in 1991, Our core values, we had the chance to build a church like on a clean slate. And we said, what does the Bible say about church? What does Jesus reflect? How can our church reflect the person of Jesus? How can our church reflect what's in the Bible? And also out of the Acts 2 church, that first early church, which we'll look at a little bit later. 
So we created this little booklet back in 1991. It's been revamped a couple of times, and it's due a revamp now. But the core message is exactly the same. Let's have the picture of our original little book from 1991. Here it is. And we said back then, 1991, on page three, that our vision, what is the vision of the type of church that we are trying to create together? And it says there, Cornerstone seeks to be a non-religious, culturally relevant, relational church in order to make the good news of Jesus Christ accessible to the lost. And we're like excited that that is still our core vision. That is the vision of the church we want to create. So what do these mean? I'm going to unpack them a little bit. So number one, relational. Now, relational, I know we said this like a million times, and we understand it, but it's important that we understand the heart of the vision. Church is a community of believers who belong together. And although we meet together like a meeting like this, church is more than a meeting. Church isn't a building, it isn't a service, it's a community of people who love one another, care for one another, serve the community, do life together, urge one another on to be discipled in Jesus. And we meet together like this to worship and come around teaching and to pray and to bring our children up in the face. And so essentially, church is relational. And let's not simmer church down to just popping along for an hour and a bit or a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, and that's my bit. Because that's never how church was meant to be. It was meant to be, when you look at the life of Jesus, living in community, a discipling, growing community, living together. So relationships are key. In our little membership booklet, if you've been through membership, you'll have seen that booklet, we encourage members this. Members, we want you to promote and maintain unity to prioritize friendships, to show care and support to one another, and to cultivate a safe culture of trust, a place to belong. But it's more than just like belonging as a family, but it's a place to grow in our discipleship and following Jesus. So that's relational, easy to understand, isn't it? And let's make sure we still champion those values. Number two, culturally relevant. Now, culturally relevant, what does this mean? It means our church life and all that we do to be relevant to the current culture. So we can communicate Jesus and his teachings in a way that is relevant to help each of us understand, and for those who don't yet know Jesus, to understand. And we follow Jesus' example in this. You remember, as Jesus was walking around, he used the things around him. He talked about the farmer and the field and the wedding. And he talked about things within the culture that people could understand. He created a picture of things that people could understand the, the, the news that he was bringing. And in the same way, we're following Jesus' example in relating to the world around us. So our church needs to be relevant to our culture. This is important for people who are searching after Jesus, that when they walk through our doors, like Adam was saying earlier, sometimes it's a big thing to walk over a threshold. But if people walk into an event or a social or a service, it needs to look like the world that we all inhabit. They haven't walked into some strange alternative universe, but they walk into a world that they recognize that helps create a path to bring them closer to Jesus and for each of us too. And this kind of goes into our third um, part of the vision, which is a non-religious church. What do I mean by this? 
Now, religion can be anything that we repeat, old or new, that are actually in addition to scripture, but actually cause a barrier to us becoming closer to Jesus. Maybe additional rules or laws when we've been brought into grace. We don't want to go back into legalism. And non-religious Jesus, we can see throughout the gospels, was frustrated at the religious leaders creating barriers to ordinary people accessing the love of God. And so for us, it means avoiding any religious barrier to, that, would, that is a, bar, a religious barrier to experiencing or obeying Jesus, but to rather live in the grace and the freedom that he bought for us. And if you remember when, how Jesus communicated and also how Paul, when he went to Athens, there on Mars Hill, he was in a secular community trying to explain to them about Jesus. And he did it in a way that connected with their world to create a bridge to understanding about Jesus. So in this way, we are following Jesus' example to bridge the gap. And that's why we do it. So relational, culturally relevant, non-religious that's the vision of the church that we are trying to create. And within that, we have many values that live that out. Now, there are many other important things in our church life, obviously, such as prayer and worship, our finance and giving, special events, serving the community, serving the poor, growing in your gifts and serving. And all of these important things need to be shaped through the lens of that vision so that everything we do is relational, culturally relevant and non-religious so we can reach our culture. So our focus this this year is coming out of that original vision. So it's springing out of it and just taking a few things out to focus on in this year that I feel God is saying to us, plot the coordinates this year for this direction. This is our direction of the ship. Imagine we're all on this ship together and we're plotting the coordinates. Where are we headed This is where we're headed, community, mission, and miracles that flow out of our uh, vision for the church. So over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack each of these as a preaching team and unpack them from the Bible, showing why they're relevant, how we can put them into practice, and how it will help us to live a fulfilled Jesus life this year and see many others reached with his love. So today I'm just going to like hit some little headlines, okay? Because it would be, we'd be here till lunchtime and beyond if I try to unpack them, but we'll unpack them over the week. So just some little headlines. So number one, community. Church is a body. The Bible shows us it's a body. In fact, it's like a house of living stones built together. We are a community belonging to Jesus and to each other. Church is more than a meeting. It's a gathered community loving one another, serving, being there, building friendship. Don't wait for someone to build a friendship with you. You initiate building a friendship with them. Guarding our unity, what we say and how we say it. Human beings are fragile. Let's treat one another well. And every person included, from the tiniest little baby, and don't we have a lot of those right now, right the way to the oldest person. That would be a great kid spot to find out the oldest person in the room. And all cultures and nationalities welcome. Nobody excluded. A couple of verses here, 1 Peter 2, 5. Peter explains here, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Do we have that slide, Michael? Thank you. 
Or maybe we didn't, I didn't put on a slide, my fault, that's fine. You also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. This talks about the discipling aspect of being together. Don't we love being together? When we had our Christmas party, it's great to just hang out, move around the tables, chat to people, have a lovely meal, relax, take time out, be together. But it's more than just being together and loving each other. It's also about spurring one another on to become more like Jesus, to learning and growing and helping one another. In John 13, Jesus said this, a new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you. This should be our motivation, not just to look after my own life, but to love each other and care for one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is where it kind of spills into mission. The attractiveness of this loving community spills over into our friends and family and colleagues saying, it seems great in your church. When you moved, everyone helped you. When you had that difficulty, people came around. When you had a baby, people turned up with food. I wish I was in a community like that. So let's us prioritize building a safe and joyful community. So that's community. Number two is mission. And it's important for us to realize, when I talk about mission now, that when we talk about miracles as well, I want you to imagine that mission is like a big bag of M&Ms, okay? So you've got this bag of M&Ms that's mission. And we're going to look at, there's lots of things in mission, like a big bag of M&Ms. And one of those things in mission is miracles, which is our number three. Now, we have separated them out for the purpose of focus this year. But it's important as we go forward that we know that miracles comes out the sweetie bag of mission, okay? So we separated it for focus, but miracles are part of the bag of mission. You got me, good. So, number two, mission. And I mean mission in the broadest sense. And Jesus' mission, when Jesus came, it was to restore the kingdom to its original plan. How God intended it in the beginning, joy, closeness with God, no sickness, an amazing, fulfilled life, intimacy with God. And when Jesus came, he came to restore all of that in the broadest sense, just as it was intended, reconciliation with God, healing of our bodies, of our lives, justice, caring for the poor. So, so mission is like this sweetie bag of all these things that Jesus intended. But mission, we can kind of like summarize it in three ways. And I pinch this from Julian. This is how Julian likes to summarize mission in three ways. Number one, words. So mission is about the words that we say. This is Jesus' truth in life. It includes the good news of the gospel. And when Jesus walked here on this earth, he explained all the time what the Father was like, what the good news of the gospel was like. And so mission is our words, and it's our words that bring change. People hear the word of God, they understand what Jesus has done for them, and their hearts respond. And so it's important that there are occasions to bring the words, maybe it's sharing with a friend, maybe it's sharing in a special event, but to bring words of wisdom and truth and the life-changing gospel message of Jesus. So we can do that individually and corporately. The second thing is works. Now, part of mission works is the things that we do. 
Because of the kingdom, we are serving. We're concerned about justice and the poor. As a church, we support the big issue, which deals with issues of homelessness. You know, we are helping with the food sharing, two of the neediest communities next to our community building. Standing on justice issues together, serving the poor, but works also includes you and I living an overcoming life with Jesus that's attractive to those around us. So it's not just going and handing a food bag to someone who's poor, but it also involves living out as a visible demonstration the life-changing work of Jesus in our life. And mission, we also sometimes go on mission, don't we? When we did mission to Wales, and it was very scary, and we were brave enough, and we went out on the streets and met with people we would never otherwise have met. And the thing that bowled us over, do you remember when we went out in teams? The thing that surprised us all is how the Holy Spirit is already at work in people's lives. He's not waiting for us to go on the adventure. But people were saying, I've been thinking about that today. I'm not sure what happens after death. I don't, didn't know that God loves me. And people are searching. So it includes taking that message to people who don't yet know Jesus. So works is about the visible demonstration of our holiness to God, our love for others, compassion and fairness, generosity and grace, and living out kingdom values. And then the third part of mission is wonders. Words, works, and wonders. And so that wonders is our number three, the one we've popped out of the, of the mission bag, miracles for focused attention. So number three, miracles. There we go. So, you with me so far? Community, mission, and miracles. Now, why miracles? Miracles are the supernatural element of our faith that makes the difference in Christianity. We're not like a, a group of people trying to do good and be good. We're a group of ordinary people who've surrendered our life to Jesus and his power has come in and has transformed us and is transforming us from one step to another to be more like him. It is a power, it is the power of Jesus that sets us apart as Christians, that we're not just a, a club that gather together, pool our money and uh, out of that help the poor. We are a group of people dedicated to follow Jesus and be a Jesus-shaped church and be like Jesus in our life. And so miracles and healings, this is the transformation of Jesus' power in our lives. And Jesus, when Jesus came back from the dead, it's important for us to know he defeated death. That was the end. He was the only one. He defeated death. So I know he brought people back from the dead like Lazarus, but they died again. But Jesus, he died, he rose again, and he is, stands for us in, in, um, in front of God, and he is there as a representative for us. He has overcome death. He has overcome sickness. He has made that path for us, for us to live in a supernatural dimension in our lives, just like Jesus did himself. So he has power to heal and do miracles in our lives. Now, when we turn the pages of the Gospels, it's full of the miraculous on every single page. And then we see through the, new, the early church, which we'll look at in a moment. And the question in this year for us is, how can we live out this power that transforms our lives? How can we evidence that around us 
that people in our lives see that God is real by how we live? How can we learn about healing the sick like Jesus did? In John 14, Jesus said to his followers, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. You imagine hearing that when Jesus said that. We are going to do the same works as you, Jesus. And then he goes on to say, And you will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And that means because Jesus went, ascended back to heaven, and has given us the Holy Spirit, not only will we do the miracles and healings that Jesus did, but even more than that. That's an adventure. That's a journey. You imagine that. Can we learn that? Can we walk in that? That we are less afraid to share with a friend or a neighbor because we know that there is power there too. When we can say, well, let me pray for your migraines. Well, let me help you with that. Now, I want to tell you about crocodiles. When we lived in Hereford, we were just young, and this is um, the Cardiff Bay Barrage. We, we were young, and we used to hang out, that, and there was this, in, in a church plant there, we were part of the um, team in the church, and there was an older couple who ran the book and card shop, and everybody went there for their books and cards, and they had loads and loads of books. I wasn't really into reading their books, but I remember one time them lending me a book called Missionary Adventures, and it sat on the, on the shelf for ages and ages. And then we went away for a break down to Devon, and I said, oh, I think I might take that book. Well, this book was so radical. These missionaries had gone into a far-off land to take the news of Jesus, and they did the most astonishing things. And the thing that stands out to me is that there was this river that was known as a crocodile-infested river, and they had to get the other side. They had no boats, and there was a time schedule to it. They had to get the other side of it. And one of them said, I think Jesus is saying to me, we should walk on the river like Jesus did. And they did. And they walked on water across the river. I mean, that has stuck with me. That's amazing. So every time I see the little crocodile in Cardiff Bay, I think of that moment where they just had this, like, miraculous life. Now, we have seen many miracles, haven't we, in our life and in the church, uh, provision, healing, special connections with people. I was thinking the other day, I remembered as a student, I was trying to think of some like miracles that weren't healing ones. So as a student, one day this happened to me. Over the weeks as a student, your laundry builds up and you no longer have like the laundry fairy like you did when you lived at home. At home, we had a laundry fairy and so you would put your dirty laundry in a, in a basket and a few days later, it would appear on your bed or on a hanger, washed, ironed. It's amazing. Um, and of course, obviously, it's my mother and you don't appreciate it when you're 18, 19. So I go off to university and I was in university halls that were like blocks of flats. In the middle section of ours was the laundry room. And in the laundry room, there's like things you could hang your laundry up to dry, and there was two or three um, washing machines. So one day I go down, and there's the washing machines in the laundry room, put my laundry, I'd saved up most of the term, turn, into the uh, washing machine, switch it on, powder on, fills up with water, and then stops. And I'm like, what's going on here? I try banging it, tapping it, don't know what's happening, can't open the door because it's full of water. So now it won't open all my clothes in there. Apart from the clothes I'm wearing, I've now washed everything. It's all wet in the machine. And uh, then one of the guys from upstairs, he came in with his laundry and starts putting it in the other machine. And I said, you don't know what's wrong with this. Um, and he went, oh, it's out of order. Everyone knows that. 
like, what do you mean out of order? He goes, yeah, there's a sign on it. And I said, no, there isn't. And we found down the back of the machine, there's a sign, do not use, with a university stamp on it. And he goes, no, no, the guy came down here, it's irreparable. I don't know why they haven't taken it away. We're waiting for a new one. No, no, you shouldn't put anything in there. I was like, oh, no, all my clothes for the whole term and I'm stuck in this machine. So we try together, nothing will work. Anyway, after he left, I remembered I was, at that time, I was on a faith course. There was a church in the city. You put on a course that anyone in the city could go, and it was eight weeks of building your faith. And I was on, like, week six. And I was like, well, there's only one thing for it, isn't it? Lord, I believe you can do this. And I laid hands on the machine. I mean, I felt like laying hands on it already, but I, I, lit, I just went... Lord Jesus, you've taught me about faith, and in faith, I know that you can move mountains, and I pray that you will heal this washing machine to work and finish my clothes, amen. The minute I said amen, it went, it it washed the entire load of clothes, rinsed everything, Uh, went back an hour later, it had finished, I got the clothes out, and it never worked again. Whoa, isn't that strange? A miraculous life. I was desperate, and we saw many things happen at that time. Wouldn't it be great, church? Wouldn't it be great if we can put these things into practice? Invest again in being loving community. You know, be on mission in our lives in in the broadest sense, and to also live a life of the miraculous. Now, in the first century church, so let's have our little thing back up. Community, mission, and miracles. Can you say it with me? And what is miracles a part of? Oh. It's just so brilliant. I'm just saving Julian a heart attack here. So well done, good. So let's have a quick little look at Acts 2. When you, when you look at Acts 2, you see the life of Jesus. The apostles and the disciples were with Jesus. And then when Jesus died, they built church. And then it got dispersed, and church is built everywhere. And this is the flavor of church. I want us to see as we read through it, can you see the life of Jesus reflected in the early church? Let's read it together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What do we see there? Devotion to growing in a growing community. So it's a growing, learning, discipleship community. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's a given. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There we see the miraculous. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Here we are, community. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Can we see here the heart of mission, justice, poverty, helping in community? Every day they continued to meet together. There it is again, in community, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I'd love to see the joy there in the New Testament church. Can you see the joy? With glad and sincere hearts. They're so sincere in what they're doing. And glad and there's a joy. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Can you see how missional it is to be living an attractive, overcoming life? That people... They had the favor of the people. The people going, look at this group. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, part of mission. That is the flavor that we're trying to build together. A New Testament church based on the Bible, based on the life of Jesus, and to build it together. An amazing community to be a part of. 
mission. They saw people saved daily, the poor and giving, and miracles and signs and wonders. So in 2023, we are focusing on these three things. They come out of our vision. They're things we've already walked with, but we're going to focus in on them this year and look at it together. So I want to ask us together, as we do this in this season, how can we do it together? Number one, what can we all do to build safe and loving community? Because it takes a community to build a safe and loving community. How can I be an active part of this community? How can I make friends, invest in relationships, make my contribution? How can I build it, guard it, enjoy it, reflect Jesus in it, and be a learning, growing community as we deepen in our discipleship and to have the hallmark of joy? And this then flows into our mission where our community is so attractive, we could become a missional movement in the attractiveness of a Jesus community. How can I live out Jesus' mission? How can I be good news? And how can I explain the good news? How is my own life strengthened as I live out kingdom values in the everyday? How does that strengthen my contribution in work and at home and with children and friends living in the kingdom? And lastly, miracles, which are a part of mission. Can I learn how God feels about healing? Can I learn to heal the sick like Jesus did? And what could a miraculous Holy Spirit-led life look like? And so this is our direction for this year. And when I was um, uh, praying at the start of the year, I had this picture of a of a cruise ship. Now, I've never been on a cruise ship, but we have friends of ours, Steve and Diane, who went on a cruise ship, and uh, when they came back, they came over our garden and showed us their photos. I just remember sitting in the garden with um, Diane swiping, being dressed for dinner every night in a different outfit. Now, to me, this is like not a holiday. I want to be dressed up on holiday. And she was like, yes, we had dinner at the captain's table. It was amazing. And Stephen was saying, yeah, I went to seminars every day. There's different seminars on the history of bridges. And, and I, well, so for them, it was amazing. So I had this, I had this picture in prayer of this huge cruise ship, and it was so big, it was almost scary, the size of it. If you've ever seen one, you're like, how can this thing float on water? And on this massive ship were just loads of people having fun, enjoying themselves, swimming, having dinner with the captain, in seminars on bridges, you know, all the different enjoyable things that they were doing. And then on the deck was the captain and the crew setting the coordinates for where the ship would go. And then in the boiler room, I could see the crew busy fueling this thing and making it work. And I felt like God was saying to us, set the coordinates for a certain path. So don't get on this ship if you want to go to the Norwegian Fords, because this ship is going to the Greek islands. It's like setting the coordinates for where we're going. And this is where we're going together. So jump on board. Take your part, be a part of it, where God is saying, set the coordinates. This is the direction we're heading in together. And following Jesus will bring life into your life, more life. Sometimes through anxieties, and especially, I think, what we've been through in COVID, our lives can start to shrink a little bit, through, partly through maybe our anxieties, but partly through the patterns that we have built in COVID. And God is going to kindly dismantle those 
fears and anxieties within us, that we live a fuller life. And when we follow Jesus, we follow life to the full. When we follow his pattern, we walk into that fullness of life, enjoying community, expanding our mission, seeing the miracles, knowing his closeness. In John 10, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's you and me. Jesus is calling us to follow his way that we may have life and life to the full. So together, let's pursue this in a joy-filled, Holy Spirit way and gather together as community and say, these are the coordinates for 2023. This is where we're headed together and I want to play my part in making this happen. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that your life is recorded in the scriptures for us to see. And that we see you talking and chatting and building community, teaching, healing the sick, standing against the religious leaders. We see a picture of you, Lord, and how you came to show us how life could be done with you. We thank you, Lord, for the bravery of those early believers in the upper room and how they began the church, how it was birthed and how it spread and grew. And here we are today in 2023 as a portion of your church. And Lord, I thank you for bringing this focus to us this year, that Lord, we want to really pursue what you have for us in going deeper in loving community and growing more like you, into expanding our mission that many people who are far from you will find you through our testimony, through our witness and our life. And Lord, we hunger for more of the miracles and healings within our lives and in our church. We want breakthrough, Lord, this year of long-term illnesses and sickness. We want to see, Lord, your healing power ripple through our church and across Wales. So Jesus, we give ourselves to you at the beginning of this year. And we say, thank you for this vision. I want to play my part in it. And I ask, Lord, that you will help us on this journey in sincerity following with you. In Jesus' name, amen.